Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Chris, I have an exciting announcement. Bye weeks are over. No more bye weeks in the SEC. Bye weeks are a thing of the past. Next week is pretty much. Well, okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Start to rain on your parade. Yeah, not a very good gift. I apologize. Um, it's not your fault. Should we just restart it and come up with something new and better? But no, it's fine. We, you know what? Let's just talk like, let's just ease out of that and get into something more fun, like the the election stuff from yesterday. Oh, good idea. Tell me how exactly you voted. And, no, goodness gracious. Um, don't ask Will Muschamp uh, how he voted because apparently the election doesn't exist to him. Whatever. That's beside the point. We have a lot to get to today. No interview today, so you're just going to get a full dosage of us. I apologize. Just us. Nothing but us. Don't worry, I brought extra personalities. <laughs> oh, wow. That's coming in hot today, are we? Uh, we've got a lot of stuff, playoff stuff that we're going to talk about. We've got playoff QB rankings that we're going to do, something a little bit different with that. Uh, got some some decent games in the SEC this week, and then of course some good. Game. What are you talking about? Decent, decent games? games. You are you oh love goodness. Auburn, Georgia. You love it. It's my favorite thing. I know. Yeah. You, you love it more than the the casual observer. So uh, we will dig into that and all the other matchups around the SEC. We've of course got fourth and wrong because it is Wednesday before we get to all that though. It's Ticket City. You guys know it. They are good friends. We are partnering with them once again. We've been partnering with them for a while. Our relationship with them goes back several years. They continue to be a leader in the ticket space, especially for college football fans. Getting tickets, I know for college football games, it's difficult, but when you use Ticket City, it could not be easier. They have the best prices. We're going to give you an even better price as we always do. You're going to use that promo code CMBF10. That's CMBF10. You're going to get 10% off of your tickets now, whether it's for this upcoming Saturday or for later in the season. Get your tickets now on Ticket City. Ticket City is going to have a lot of business, I think, come rivalry week. We're, we're not quite there just yet. This is kind of the calm before the storm. This The way that is the schedule is set always up, the storm, Connor. Always the storm. 52 weeks out of the year. You know what, you know what we're going to get is um, they're going to open college Angry. game day with a shot of Kirk Herbstreit saying, this could be one of those weeks. Could be one of those weeks where it's just oh, sleepy man. and you, you never expect it. And then, and then of course, you know, it ends up actually not being that crazy of a week. But I see. I don't understand why people always say that. Like, November is always the craziest it is. month. That is factually correct. Yeah. Time change. Leaves are, are changing. Rankings. What do you think about that? Thanksgiving, didn't even get to that. Oh my God, I can't wait for Thanksgiving. Big Thanksgiving, guys, we are. Um, one of the things, so play, we want to we want to lead off with with play, some playoff questions here because I think after watching last night, it was about the least suspenseful top four, really top six, that you could have thrown together. Everybody and their mother knew what it was going to look like. Well, they built it up so well right off the bat. I mean, A 45-minute delay. I forgot how long basketball games take to end. And then Reese Davis kicks off the show by... By just saying, not a really exciting <laughs> week. Nothing really changed. Like, wow, Reese, thank, glad I stuck around, man. And David Pollock's like, what do you mean? What do you know? The it's like, okay, we let's couldn't figure out the math. That was a, that was the let's, best part. Let's be honest here. So the big the big thing that had everybody on Twitter upset, besides UCF, we'll get to that, was everybody was really upset about LSU's ranking. Everybody saw LSU only dropped from number three to number seven, despite the fact that the Tigers got their teeth kicked in by Alabama. They lost by 29 points at home, didn't score a single point. They're ranked ahead of one loss, Ohio State, one loss, Washington State, one loss, West Virginia. A lot of people crying SEC bias. Always. And they're wrong. And they're wrong. 
Yeah, you had the best point. So I, say it. Say it I threw mind. it out on Twitter because the idiots of the world did not understand the fact that this is still based on resume. This is not just based on how many losses you have. It, it's a factor, don't get me wrong, but it's not, it's not the end-all be-all. So LSU, the resume still holds strong. If you look at the current top 25, LSU has three wins over current top 25 teams. Washington State, Ohio State, West Virginia have two combined wins over current top 25 teams. That is why LSU is still ranked ahead of those one-loss teams. I mean, it's not even in question. If you look at the strength of schedule from those teams, Washington State, 80. You ready for this? Because I wrote Washington down. State has zero, zero wins against current top 25 teams. And by the way, even if they beat Washington in the Apple Cup, Washington's going to get knocked out of the top 25. One loss Washington State does not control its own destiny. Anybody telling They're you otherwise. Beat Washington. Yeah, I know. But anybody telling you otherwise is, is, is foolish. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. And then West Virginia. So I did think West Virginia was a little bit lower than, than not that they deserve to be, than, they, than I expected them to be. Go on the road, they win at Texas, like in really dramatic fashion. Um, you know, bring the worst out of Tom Herman, which I think we all love to see. I just, I think they're better than people give them credit for. Like they have that one road loss to Iowa State, who's also not a bad team. The problem with West Virginia is that they had one of their, they had a chance to play NC State yeah. and they got rained out. And so they're, they're sitting there with yeah. one less chance for a quality win against Power 5 team because, no offense, Tennessee fans, but that win in Charlotte wasn't exactly moving the needle for West Virginia. So, yeah, that, that's definitely hurting West Virginia at this point late in the season. And, you know, you don't get that many chances for quality wins, but they do have a very, very backloaded schedule. And if they are, you know, sitting there in that one-loss mix, their, their resume will continue to get better, and they do have a chance to yeah. move ahead of LSU, no doubt. I agree with that. I mean, I think that's what it's set up for it because it's not long term. It's you know, it's week to week. I think the committee does a really good job of that. I mean, I was surprised by that. I was really surprised by Florida at fifteen. I was surprised by that. I was surprised by that. I'll be honest, um, just because of the fact that Florida has lost two in a row now, and both weren't close. <laughs> I mean, no. neither were close. Neither was was a true road game. And Mizzou, we we talked about how they've been so close, but. At the same time, it was still a team that hadn't won an SEC game yet. You lost by 21 points at home. That's usually not what a top 15 team does. So that, that to me, was right. a little bit surprising to see. But uh, getting back to, to LSU uh, real quick, uh, let's let's let, ride the lane train for a minute because he dunked on Matt Liner for questioning the fact that LSU was sitting there as the as a two loss two loss team ranked ahead of you know Ohio State, Washington State, um, and, and of course West Virginia and had a great tweet, basically like saying SEC's the best. How dare you ever question that? Right. Matt Liner, get lost. Go uh, go hand the ball to Reggie Bush or something. I'm just kidding. I like Matt Liner. I like Matt Liner. I think he's really good at what he does. I just don't like More the like take. Matt Weinert. That's not. He's always whining. I nailed that one. That was good. That's not your best. You can do better. That is pretty. That's Honestly, that's my best so far today. Uh, so far. The day is young. Okay. Well, <laughs> anyway. No, I mean, I saw that. What's amazing to me is... It, it seems like in November, every year, the media starts scrambling for a way to like downplay how good the SEC is or just individual teams from the conference. And especially West Coast guys or Danny Cannell, he's just a lot of hate in his heart. But nobody made the comment or any kind of arguments or beef with the fact that the team that, they, that LSU beat by 20 points, UGA, 
was also ranked in the top five or yeah top five. And some people, so I got into uh, a little bit of an interesting discussion on you know Memphis. Uh, I do Memphis radio every every Tuesday, and they were saying how you know shouldn't LSU be upset that it'd be ranked at, behind Georgia? I mean, because LSU beat Georgia by 20 points, and and I I, I kind of you know push back on that, saying, well, you know, it's it's the entire resume. People want to get caught up right. in the head to head, and that's what's going to become really interesting with Michigan and Notre Dame. We don't have to dig into that, but the the head to head thing is only part of the equation. It's the entire resume. Are you now realizing, looking at Alabama's resume, and based on how little LSU fell, oh god, that Alabama has a loss to give? No. How how can you how can you deny that at this point? I just I don't think because first off we don't know what November holds. First off, um, I just I'm not sold on the fact that they're going to be able to sneak in with how big of a a backlash that received last year. That's not that's not going to factor into the equation because it's well you know I mean it hasn't happened so you can't really no I, it, but I, what I'm saying is that Alabama's at least playing in a conference championship this year. That that's automatic. That's yeah. automatically different. And this Alabama team, as dominant as that last year's team was, starting eleven and zero, this year's team is still more dominant. You realize that this team. I threw out the set on Twitter. Oh, way more dominant. This team is averaging a bigger margin of victory, just in terms of points points won by per game, than yep. <laughs> yeah, just for those Thank those you. who don't know what that stat means, than two thousand one Miami. Yeah, I mean, it's it's on pace to being one of the greatest teams of all time. I mean, 2001 Miami, or was it 2000 Miami, that barely beat Boston College on that Ed Reed pick? I think it was 2001. I mean, they're they're playing really, really well. I don't think they've played a lot of difficult teams so far. I don't know if it really mattered either way. But they still have the number one win. They still have the number one win, and they're set up right now. They will still, including the SEC Championship, they have three more games against top 25 teams. That's what's going to help Alabama and why the resume is going to continue to grow and where theoretically... Even if they, you know, they would still win two more of those games. Well, I mean, Auburn's not going to be ranked. Like, foreshadowing. I mean, Auburn is still currently ranked, so that's why I say that. Yeah. Potentially three more top twenty-five teams. Alabama, I think, has a loss to give. I know we we disagree on that. You're being a little bit too objective. Whatever. Um, did you type UCF on Twitter last night? Because UCF UCF so, is the Beetlejuice of Twitter now. By the way, they are the worst. Don't don't say UCF. The worst. You can't even tweet out pictures of cupcakes anymore without UCF fans flipping out. They, I just everything everything that they do on social media is too much, and I don't think they understand how like the negative perception, like it's now like gaining it's, with, across it's the, the worst. Everyone's over. It's it. the worst. It's really it really is the worst, and it's because I think it's like it's one thing to like kind of like you know just jab at people and like. It's cool that you guys have a big Twitter mafia. You guys are, you know, come out of the woodwork on Twitter. Don't show up to your games. Don't sell out your games at all. And you even got a tiny stadium to do it in now. Whoa, let's don't sell out your games. There are a lot of things to do in Orlando down here. Besides, no, there are. If you're over the age of eleven, there are very few things to do in the city. (laughs) That is not true. That is not true. Somebody who lives here, I can attest that there are more things to do if you're over the age alone. That's beside the point. But you know, I love you, right? But you're at a bell choir, so it's it's not that much. We're throwing it out there for the world to know. What? Well, yeah. Is that a bad thing? I mean, I guess it's out there. I'm in a bell choir. Judge me. I like that you have better hobbies than me. I mean, I'm just saying it doesn't seem like there's that much to do. Like, if you don't like bells. I'm in a bell choir. I'm in a bowling lead. I'm a versatile man. you got to be a man yeah, you, of many you're talents. You're killing it in Orlando. Yeah. 
Regardless, UCF, <laughs> I'm so over this entire argument. Like, they, everything they bring up, like the 21 wins in a row. You know what? And don't go play your games in, in some kind of, like, jam jams in your uniform. Last week, the stupid space outfits they had, those were ridiculous. UCF. I can't take you seriously. UCF is ranked behind two lost Kentucky. If that doesn't tell you that this thing is basically over for UCF and barring a bunch of two lost conference champs and the selection committee just being so bogged down by the idea of leading, leaving out an undefeated UCF team, it's that's the only way. It's a miracle and a half that's going to take for this to to possibly happen. And, and I don't even know if that's that's possible because look at the teams that they still have left in their schedule potentially with USF. USF lost last week again, and then Houston lost. So they would potentially face Houston in a conference championship game. The the resume is just getting worse and worse. I understand that Pitt may go to an ACC championship, but that's not going to change the entire body work and the fact that UCF is not beating good teams. And and so and I'm so over the argument because it's like, well, just give them a chance. No, no, because there's more deserving teams. There's definitely more deserving teams, and I understand UCF plays their schedule and on paper from their. from their end, they say they want to play all these big-time teams and like all these matchups. Nobody wants to play them. That's that's crap. Okay, you know sure. what? Flor- they had a chance to play Florida, but they didn't want to do what USF did. And Florida basically said, hey, we're going to do a two-for-one because you're a group of five team. We have a whole lot more money than you do. We're not going to do right. it home-and-home. Home. <clears throat> UCF is still trying to say that, no, we're, we're just going to act like a Power 5 team. And unless you're willing to do a home-and-home, home, we're not willing to schedule with you. That's not always going to work. Not everybody is Pitt. Not everybody is Maryland. You're not always going to be able to do that. You need to realize that if you want a big chance and a chance to move up, you need to actually like take a little bit of a lesser deal and say, you know what, we'll be we'll play anywhere, anytime. That's the only way it's going to work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, also, and don't play in your jam jams. Um, what was that? The no, quote my, from my favorite point though was made by Joel. Klatt. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so he brought the point last night because everyone starts like freaking out. All the UCF fans on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. And by the way, I missed most of this because I couldn't stop watching the Dan Mullen gif from, <laughs> That's great. from the press conference. It's great. Good God, that was hilarious. Um, so Joel Klatt, he claps back. He claps back. Joel Klatt's my guy, by the way. Joel Klatt is my guy. I've been saying for a long time, uh, shout out to our guy, C. Wright. I had to explain who Joel Klatt was in the beginning of the season. Very good dude, oh, wow. very very knowledgeable what he does. Even though he did claim SEC bias, I think he makes a lot of good points. Does really good work for he- Fox Sports. I like Joel Klatt because he went back and apologized for when he said the dynasty was over after Bama <laughs> lost Ole Miss in 2015. Anyway, uh, he said, maybe if you wouldn't have been outgained in three straight games or if Temple wouldn't have put up a school record 670 yards or if you weren't tied for fifth worst in FBS and penalties per game or if more than one of your opponents had a winning record versus FBS opponents. Boom. Get out of here with that. Mic drop. You, you, they, have, they have some very talented players on that team. There's they don't they don't want any part of this they want no part of the SEC. I saw somebody uh, uh, bear Chris Chris Felica tweeted out how uh, right now UCF on a neutral field would be a three point underdog to Fresno State. Just saying, just throwing it out there. Fresno State's played the 127th uh, ranked strength of schedule. Did you just rattle that off I mean, the top of your head? That's pretty good. No man, I did a deep dive on strength of schedule last man. night, man. Uh, no, I'm sorry, 128. I just, yeah, I'm just over the whole UCF thing. And, like, that one guy who has the podcast, I don't care if we're calling him out right now, the dude with the backwards hat. And the he jersey. retweeted my, my picture of cupcakes and then with a comment said, RIP, bro. As if, like, him retweeting um, it they was, are They yeah. are, he, like, they're, they're like the JV junior of, of college football. Like, the kid that's, like, dominating, like, JV basketball, but you know he's, like, 17 and not good enough to play on varsity. 
that is UCF. You know, whatever. Let's move on. Uh, let's go to let's let's stay let's stay with the playoff conversation though, and and talk about something that I did. Shameless plug. I ranked the the quarterbacks on playoff eligible teams. We say I say playoff eligible loosely. Sorry, UCF, you're not included in this. Um, the ranking of quarterbacks that you would want to have. So if you were a coach and you had to turn to a guy, two-minute drill, go win you a game, season on the line, all that stuff, and you lined up the nine quarterbacks that still have playoff chances, who would you who would you pick and why? We know who number one is. I mean, number yeah, one's definitely obviously it's Trevor Lawrence yeah, and his beautiful mane yeah, of hair. About that, yeah. Tua is obviously number one. I think <clears throat> I think what gets interesting is maybe two through four, or two through five. And I think this is where you would have so some These disagree. are your rankings. These are my, yeah, these are my rankings in order where I would want if I had to, like I said, turn to a guy, yeah. two-minute drill, go win the season, game on the line, all that stuff. Okay, so I'm going to open with this question. Okay. Um, why are you so bad at quarterback rankings? Whoa. Like, we, we, we gripe and argue about your weekly quarterback rankings. Yet our, our man Terry Wilson, last this week. Who's, who should be last? Ty Story. Story of a hurl? This is the story of a... Yeah, without a doubt. Terry Wilson's played his best two games of the season the past two weeks. Anyway, moving on. The playoff rankings, I can't believe... I figured we wouldn't agree on everything, but I'm surprised how low you have Dwayne Haskins. Have you watched him last three weeks, four weeks of the season? Well, you're the... I mean, Nebraska's a, a tough team. Never said that. They're not good onside kicks, but I know you didn't say that. Um... I, I think from a talent standpoint, and the people that he has like in the supporting cast, I, I would definitely have Haskins probably top five at least or top four. Um, Ian Book at eight. So I, I would honestly have Ian Book probably like second or third. What? You're taking yeah, – You're taking Ian, completion you're percentage. Take, cool, great. You're taking Ian Book over Will Greer? Yes, without a doubt. Oh, Because I think gosh. Will Greer is more of like a system oh quarterback in that, in that uh, West Virginia passing offense. What, why would I take Why would I take Will Greer over over Ian Book? He's got 15 touchdowns and four interceptions in only six games. Ian Book can't stretch the field like Will Greer. Come on, don't let's let's not let's not pretend like Will Greer just because he's doing it at West Virginia and they throw a lot doesn't mean that he's not a great quarterback. Come on, I'm, I'm not saying he's not a great quarterback. I just wouldn't take him over Ian Book. Let's let's be honest. Let's. I mean, two minute drill, maybe maybe two minute drill with what he did against Texas and like you know that memory of what he did against Tennessee. I, I like Ian Book. Like, I like Ian Book, and I think he's. I think the game that he had against Northwestern, he's playing a lot of. He's playing pretty much his best football of the season. He's still a guy with six. I think six or seven career starts. He's still someone that has right. not faced an elite defense yet, and he's still someone that cannot stretch the field. Will Greer can stretch the field for you. He can make a big time play. You know that he's experienced. Right. He's got really good receivers as well. I mean, I would agree with that. David Sills is incredible. I, I mean, Ian but Book I, at two or three. Have, yeah, without a doubt. So you're taking Ian Book. You're taking Ian Book over. You're taking Ian Book over Kyler Murray. Yeah, without a doubt. Oh without a doubt. Oh my gosh. Oh my. I mean, Kyler. What what quarterback has not played well in that Oklahoma offense? So you're saying he's a system quarterback? I'm just saying he's not. I think he, that's a big, a big part of it. Oh my! I mean, he's putting up ridiculous numbers because that defense is terrible and they can't, they can't stay off the field. Watch Kyler Murray play football, and he's not the, he's not Texas A&M quarterback. Watched him play football. He is not the Texas you, A&M quarterback anymore. You have Trevor Lawrence for. How do you talk about the only having six starts with Ian Book, and then you bring up Trevor Lawrence at, at because four? he's off the charts talented, and what he's done in six games, he's definitely talented. and what he's done in in six games and a half a season here is unbelievable. 
I mean, if you look at what ruined a friendship and a team. Yes, besides that. Besides that. Okay, hold on. If you're saying though, you're saying if you had game on the line, national championship on the line, two minute drill, you have you have Trevor Lawrence ahead of Jake Fromm, Dwayne Haskins, Shea Patterson, which I agree with that one, Ian Book and Gardner Minshew. I, I really only have a problem with the Ian Book, Dwayne Haskins, and Jake Fromm. Two minute offense. Two-minute drill to win the national title. You're saying you're going to take an 18-year-old freshman that threw for what, like 59 yards last week? Has hasn't has not faced an elite defense. Toughest test was Syracuse. Mm, he's he's he started like what three games now? No, he started more than that. He think he started. I think he started at least five. I think he started at least five. Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, is 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 off the charts talented. What he's been able to do in that Definitely offense is. since since jo- since being the full-time starter since Kelly Bryant left. Is pretty amazing, and I'm I'm not going to say that he's. He threw for 59 yards against Louisville. How many times did he have to throw the ball? I don't know. Probably not a lot. Yeah. They had 10 people score touchdowns in that game. Exactly. By the way. Good God. Exactly. I mean, he also that favorite set I I saw like a couple weeks ago, where he threw a football 61 miles an hour. He's got a cannon. That, that but like they compared it to like Jameis Winston and Andrew Luck was like 56 miles an hour. That throw he had against across his body against Georgia Tech was incredible. I'm not saying he's not talented, but I would not take him over Jake Fromm. Fair enough. And I'm a big Fromm supporter. I mean, you know that. I, I'm always Doesn't advocating. Like I'm always advocating for him. Dwayne Haskins is just so limited. He can't move. He's not mobile at all. He's he's very much like Big Ben. I mean, like, and not in like a Ooh. not like when when he gets outside of the pocket, you're just like, yeah, okay, this guy is either you're not going to rely on him to, to get you more than five yards. That's just not who he is. And I, I, I struggle. I would struggle with his limitations. Anyways, isn't it interesting though that three of the quarterbacks in this group? So the order that I have, real quick, I'll run through this: Gardner Minshew, the guy who was committed to Alabama to be the third string quarterback as a grad transfer, and then decided he was going to go play for Mike Leach at Washington State. He's at number nine. Ian Book, I have at number eight. Shea Patterson, number seven. Dwayne Haskins, number six. Jake Fromm, number five. Trevor Lawrence, number four. Kyler Murray, number three. Will Greer, number two. Two and number one. The interesting thing, I think, is that all these different SEC connections, you have three SEC transfers in mm-hmm. that with Greer, Murray, and Patterson, of course. And I think all three of them we, we had such great hype for early on. And now they're kind yeah. of living up to that hype and what we thought they could be at their respective SEC schools. I think that's, that's really interesting in itself. And we could potentially see one or two of them in a playoff scenario uh, this year, I, I think that that's that's at least interesting, and and I just think that the list this list is so so good. I mean, the fact that Ian Book is well, at Ian, number eight, I like Ian Book a lot, but I I think the fact that he's like the fact that he's at number eight shows you how how good of a list this is, and you gotta you gotta have an elite quarterback. I mean, that, that's as simple as it so, is. I'm not gonna pat your back and say that the list is good because I think your rankings are way off. But when you talk about this this like level of talent, so I went back and looked at some of these like stats. You know, when you brought this up. And just going over right now, completion percentage. In the, ranked in the, in the whole country, Ian Book is one, Minshew is four, Kyler Murray five, Haskins six, uh, tied with Will Greer, two is 11. Like, the, all these players, call like, me when Ian, these are elite call, call me when Ian Book throws a pass over 30 yards. Call me when he throws a pass over 30 yards. Does not need to? How many times do you have to do it? I mean, I'm just saying. You should be able to He's throw been, a pass over 30 yards. He can throw a pass over 30 I, yards. Ugh. You don't think he can throw a pass? No, I think he can. I just don't think he, he okay. chooses to. So I will say this though, and we'll move on after this because I don't want to argue with you anymore. It's just really it's too much. <laughs> we were on such, today was such a great day. Um, but next week, I thought about this last night. I had a little giggle, a little giggle to myself. Um, 
Next week, Notre Dame plays Syracuse in a game that I have dreaded having to watch. Because of the pinstripe uniforms, yeah. I was going to get there, yeah. Um, They're playing in Yankee Stadium, my least favorite stadium. And they are wearing these god-awful pinstripe uniforms. How funny is it going to be when Syracuse beats Notre Dame next week? Wow. Does, and ruins Doesn't sound like those. you have a lot that of confidence be... in Ian Book, I'm just saying. Oh, my God. I'm just saying in those <laughs> – in those uh, Yeah. In those uniforms. Oh, they're going down. Maybe like if somebody broke into your house and you were like in the shower, like, oh, man, it's really inopportune time for you to break in. I'm naked. This looks ridiculous. So there you go. Okay. Let's, let's move on to your favorite – from your favorite quarterback to your favorite rivalry. Let's call this – I'm going to motion to call I'm, Auburn, Georgia, the dog crap game. I get what you're doing. I – I'm like grossly offended. I'm not saying from a rivalry it's standpoint. The Deep South's oldest I, rivalry. No, no, no. I'm motioning for a new modern name to this rivalry. It needs a little updating. I think you oh, got to be topical doing. with this. I'm not saying that the, that the game itself is dog crap. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying. Gus, Maybe you should call it like the bird scooter game. The Gus Melzahn. Give away a trophy like they did in the Big Ten for everything. Unnecessary. It was. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. The Gus Melzahn soundbite was one of my favorite ever. We whipped the dog crap out of him. <laughs> that's such a good mouth. Isaac Nada. Yeah, I think that's he's the best SEC coach impression that I do. Um, Isaac Nada chirping back after the SEC championship in that post-game interview. We whipped the dog crap out of him. Where he just comes in is so perfect. Like that, that to me enhanced this rivalry from what I thought it was last right. year. So if we just start calling it the dog crap game, we get it all out there. Everybody has a little fun back at back and forth. The winner of this game gets, I don't know, a trophy made of dog crap. So, oh my god! I've thought way too much about this. Everything you're putting into this, I don't like. All right, I don't like it at all. It's already got a lot of tradition. It's got a lot of yes, significance. Yes, it does. As you know, and I bring it up every time, and I don't care that I bring it up all the time. It's my favorite thing. It's my favorite fact about it. It's the first thing I did on Sunday morning when it was like the week of this game. I walked down to Piedmont Park. It's just crazy to me that it's like, that's where that game was played. Like 122 years ago. It is the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Um, it's like one of the most evenly matched series ever. I think the all-time series is 58, 56, and 8. Georgia's ahead. Um, it's just always a really good game. It's always a really good game. Good game for Gus Malzahn, too, because he doesn't have any pressure on him. As I was saying last week... Go figure that this is the week that Al, uh, Auburn AD Allen Green comes out and says that Gus Malzahn, believe it or not, he's going to be back next year. Good for you, Gus Malzahn. You are officially off the hot seat. He gets a vote of confidence. So you keep his khakis packed. He gets the vote of confidence before the Georgia game and before the Alabama game where all of a sudden Gus Malzahn's like, hey, life's not bad. Maybe you get a few more gadget plays in there because he doesn't have enough apparently. Oh and Gus Malzahn is all of a sudden feeling good. There's zero pressure on him. Um, are we all of a sudden going to see an Auburn team that looks like it has nothing to lose? I mean, that's when they play their best, and they don't have anything to lose because like, they've already lost everything. Like, I, I think they looked so bad for 56 minutes last week. Just so bad. They, they, ran, they ran the ball for 19 total yards. It is the lowest amount of rushing yards they've had in a win at Auburn since 1967. So, yeah, I think the gadget plays, I'm sure he'll do that. I'm sure. Like, Gus, run that play again where everybody comes into, like, the fake little, like, half U huddle and then sprints the line of scrimmage and does a tall sweep. That's, that's all we're going to see on short yard situations. If they don't throw the ball downfield, if they don't Ian book it. I see what you did. There you go. It's the only way they can win. That's the only way they have a chance at winning is trying to stretch the field. 
and he just refused to do it. Georgia's too fast on the edge. They're way too fast. If you're one-dimensional against Georgia, and if Kirby has you sniffed out, I don't like your chances. I mean, I, last year they beat Georgia, of course, with on Johnson, and he had a big-time game. And you got to see somebody run in between the tackles, somebody who is capable of taking over a game, and they just don't have that this year. I just don't see them having that versatility on offense. So that's that's what's tough to, to come back to. There is still the whole lingering thing. After what we saw last week from Jared Stidham, and if he gets off to a good start, all of a sudden, are we talking November Stidham? Are we talking about somebody who, late in the season, just figures it out? Is there any chance we see that? Uh, I mean, maybe. I'm a little bit distracted right now, Connor. we got we got fire alarm testing going off in the apartment. Nice. So I apologize for that, guys. Um, perfect timing, too, because they had all day to do it. Anyway, I, I don't think – I mean, he's played well against Georgia in the past. It's just they have re- refused to allow him to play, like, up to his ability by catering to any of his strengths. <laughs> this sounds great. Um, it's like they had all day to do this. Yeah, they, they picked the perfect time. My internet went out right as the, like, right as the playoff ranking show started last night. Literally the second it started. Meanwhile, we're watching 40 minutes of basketball waiting for it to start. And of course, at that yeah. moment. Um, no, you bring up a good point because this whole year, nothing really suggests that we're going to see all of a sudden him get to the level that he was at last year. I mean, I, I think we've pretty much moved on from that. It feels like if Auburn's... But he's on the road, too. Right, exactly. And it's it's a hostile atmosphere. We expect Georgia fans to get up for this, given the fact that there's been such a big break between home games this year. And like I said the other day, this is their big marquee home game of the season. I, I know that sounds kind of weird. Yeah, they've only had, like... This is, like, the only one I feel like they've had in the last two seasons. They've had a bad home schedule. Yeah, it's been... It hasn't been great for that. But uh, if you're a Georgia fan, you come back to... Hopefully, the issues... The injury issues on the offensive line aren't aren't serious and what really right. what really from what we saw against Kentucky suggests that it is considering that DeAndre Swift and Elijah Holyfield bus, both rush for over 100 yards in this game this has the makings of another big game for those two and part of that is because yeah. we just watched Travion Williams go off against that Auburn defense oh my gosh he looked really really good by the way is Travion Williams the best running back in the SEC right now I mean, statistically yeah I tell you and who's not far behind him is Scotty Scotty Patterson Scotty Phillips Scotty Phillips this, yeah that's what it is yeah how long is this fire alarm gonna gonna be happening here? And so, what's weird about that is, like, the strength of this Auburn team, we especially going into the season, we thought was the defensive line, and like being able to stop the run that front seven, and it's been real bad ever since that Mississippi State game. So apparently, Marler, uh, his building is experiencing some experiencing some severe fire alarm malfunctions right now so apologize if you were listening to the background of that but we still have plenty to get to uh consider this a good time to go over to itunes subscribe uh, rate review all that stuff tell tell your friends to do the same um yeah this is a little brief break from all the football talk but yeah we will get back to it as soon as marler is able to um, operate in a building that isn't going off with Fire alarms and all that stuff. So, yeah, let's kick it back to the rest of the podcast. Marler, it is good to see your face. You're alive. You survived the great fire alarm fiasco of 2018. Thoughts and prayers with you. I I almost set the building on fire afterwards because it was not a real fire. It was an alarm check, and they couldn't figure out how to turn the system off. That's lovely, isn't that? They work. They work real well. Reason number 895 why I cannot wait to be a homeowner so you don't have to deal with crap like that. 
Yeah, actually, I, that scares me because you have to like be responsible for stuff like cleaning your baseboards. I don't even know what a baseboard is. That's a good point. You got a long time to figure it out. Um, Thanks, man. <laughs> five years older than you. <laughs> Mississippi State and Alabama this weekend. The only game in the SEC of two ranked teams, but it just doesn't feel like it because Bama is favored by 24 points, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, 25 now. I know some people have been bringing up the fact that this game was close last year. Nick Fitzgerald said that that was... Those people are you, Connor. No, I'm not bringing it up. Nick Fitzgerald brought it up. He said that's what gives us confidence in this game. I would remind everyone saying that, that when you don't have Tua playing quarterback, it's sort of a different team, so you really shouldn't take that into account. Jalen actually played pretty well in that game. And he had a big heroic drive to win that game. Don't get me wrong. What he did was impressive, but I'm just saying if Tua's starting that game, it's probably like three or four touchdowns. Probably. I mean, well, I don't, I don't know. It's, that's hypothetical. Regardless, hypothetical. I know this is going to be a tough weekend for you because you're a huge Mississippi State fan. I am not. Um, I mean, can you imagine if Kyle Trask played at Mississippi State? What? what? Anyway. Um, <laughs> no, the, this game, I, I don't know. Because usually, like, the year before, it was, like, what, 52-3 to three or so, or 51-3. to three. And then last year it goes down to the wire in, like, a really, really close game, I guess. Um, yeah, Mississippi State's defense is really good. They're really <laughs> good. I just don't know what that offense is going to be able to do against Bama's defense. The good news for Nick Fitzgerald is that he doesn't look as terrible as he did against LSU. The last two games, albeit against lesser competition, he did have 679 yards from scrimmage. He had eight passing. He had eight total touchdowns, uh, and he completed over 60% of his passes. That right there is the big one for two at least 240 yards in both of those two games. So, you know, that's worth something. At least he is figuring right. some things out. Will he be able to score against this defense that looked like an all-world unit? I, uh. I mean, he was able to do it last year, and like they obviously it's a different game plan because you know Mullen's not there anymore. I just what worries me for him in this game because that defense really is legit. They're ranked, I guess what they're ranked second overall in scoring defense, seventh overall in um, passing defense, and then. What's the other one? It's uh, oh, look. best in the SEC in passing defense, number one among Power Five in scoring defense, 12.3 points per game. And then they've allowed the fewest amount of passing touchdowns of any team in the country. Only yeah. four passing touchdowns. That's that's interesting for the simple fact that MSU covers really, really well. I think that maybe people kind of overlook them because you get caught up in, in Jeffrey Simmons and Montez Sweat. Yeah. But guys like Errol Thompson that can pick off a pass that's intended for you know a quick yeah. slant to Jerry Judy. Maybe, legit. maybe we see some of that play out, and maybe Tua gets a little has a moment or two where you're like, oh hey, this defense is actually not bad at right. all. I think we well, do have a, a couple moments like that in this game. Sustaining it, a little bit of a different story. I think that the key for Mississippi State if they want to win this game is so they lead the country in uh, opponents touchdowns convert I guess touchdown conversions in the red zone they only give up a touchdown when their opponents in the red zone 21.7 percent of the time then so like by don't far break. the fewest yeah right um so if they can get Bama into some field goal situations and keep them out of the end zone early and stick around that obviously is the way to win against Alabama there's there is no I mean outside of I guess like Democrats there's probably no bigger nightmare for Alabamians than than the kicking game Regardless, I don't think that really happens. I just because I, I don't see what Mississippi State can do on offense because they're not one-dimensional. But he's going to have to beat Alabama, and I don't think he has the talent at receiver to really do that. That unit has been playing a little bit better. Just a much, much different task. We're talking about going on the road and and facing Alabama. That that defense has improved steadily every single week. That Alabama defense, and yikes! I'm just I. 
for, for the sake of Mississippi State, I hope that this isn't flashbacks of LSU because this game could very easily turn into that. But I wouldn't think that this is going to be like a 40-point game. Um, no. Just Mississippi just State's like defense 30. is too good for that. But 30, Agreed. 25, 30-point 30 game maybe. Um, I don't know. We'll get, to, we'll get to that later on in picks. Let's do some over-unders. We've got a lot to get through, so we're going to run through some of these. But first one that we're going to look at is LSU and Arkansas game. How many references on the broadcast are we going to get to LSU getting the bad taste out of their mouths? I set the over-under at 6.5. That seems like a lot. But it's... But, yeah, I mean, you might not be... I mean, and also Arkansas. So you combine the two, you know what I mean? They're playing for that golden boot. This actually is a trophy game. Hey, very Big Ten-like of them. Oh, God, here we go. Um, no, this used, this used to be, like, one of my favorite games, too. We've talked about it before. I, I would say over. I would say over 6.5. Arkansas, maybe, you know, sticks around a little bit longer than people expect in this one. Uh, the bad taste out of your mouth reference is going to be if LSU comes out and just lays the wood on them and it's 20 to nothing at halftime right. or something. But a lot Joe of ref- Burrow just goes off. He's <laughs> 9 of 16 for 180 yards. Big revenge game for, for Joe Burrow. Uh, a lot of the conversation about LSU is going to be centered on the fact that their playoff chances are over, but... I bet on the broadcast we are going to hear referenced a lot. LSU still has a lot to play for. I set the over-under at 4.5. That is the lock of the week. I mean, yeah. The the over? Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. It's a team with a lot to play for. You know, coming into the season, not a lot of expectations. And, you know, give credit to where credit's due with Coach Orgeron. Okay. It's the ultimate announcer, please continue to watch my game, even though it's really not that great. Uh, it's a great line How to have. How about Fayetteville, huh? Beautiful this time of year. At least they're playing at Fayetteville, not Little Rocks. That's, oh that's my good. God. War Memorial. How many shots of Chad Morris and Coach O chugging Red Bulls together are we going to get in this game? I set the over-under at .5. Just basically, is this going to happen or is this not going to happen? Please let it happen. Yeah, I really hope that happens. I mean, these two. Two peas in a pod, man. Hey, did you hear on the SEC Coaches Teleconference, Coach O told the story about Chad Morris, and he, oh, Chad Morris interviewed for a spot on the Ole Miss staff when, when Ed Orgeron was the, the head coach right. there, and um, they were basically were in a Waffle House, and he ended up not giving the job to Chad Morris, and who did he give it to instead? Good old Hugh Freeze. The Waffle House waitress. Uh, mm. First off, I don't know, how, can I just join in on the conference call? I, I was never invited. It's a private uh, for number. Good reason. It's I, a private I number, I really but be allowed to be around Orgeron and Saban at the same time. I asked Nick. I asked uh, Saban about Henry Ruggs today, and he called that catch phenomenal. Look at you. Yeah. So that was. I had that, a fire alarm go off. And big I day. Ate, big I day for both of us. CVS by candy corn uh, for fifty percent <laughs> off. It's the saddest thing I've ever seen. So also a big day for me. Let's move on to South Carolina, Florida. Um, the coaches are going to be a big topic of discussion in this game. Will Muschamp specifically. His return to Gainesville. How many flashback shots are we going to get? Are we going to get of Will Muschamp um, at Florida? Maybe those flashback shots where he's on the sideline, just freaking out. And he's got the Florida I, yeah. polo. If they, if they show any, hopefully it's only the angry ones. Eight point five is the over under. What do you take it? That's I would say under. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, That's I realized that after. It's I hard said to find it. like very photogenic pictures of Will Muschamp. Yeah, they're voting. They're voting out there today. Uh, oh, I didn't know I'm preparing for Florida. Still a better press conference than Dan Mullins. Yeah, how great was that, by the way? That was one of the most gifable moments of the season. Dan Mullen asked seven. about Felipe Franks 
He's asked about Felipe Franks, whether involved, he, or whether or not he was involved in this rumored scuffle in the locker room, whatever it was. And the look on his face said, "Yeah, he probably was." No, uh, <laughs> I, like I, I made like seven gifts that I didn't send out. Like, but like right off the bat, it was just like if your wife like asked you, "Do I look fat in this?" Uh, that was the look. Did you hit your brother? <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you wreck the car? It was just, I mean, everything. It's it was. God, it was bad. It Did was you so finish guilty. off the Oreos? Yeah. Did you refill the vodka bottles with water again? No, not the same. Okay. <laughs> so with that in mind, how many how many quarterbacks is Dan Mullen going to play in this one? The over-under, an obvious 1.5. It's definitely over, but the only reason that's a concern, because that seems like the obvious choice, is because he even said he was going to play two or three. Yeah, but that's coach speak. They always say that. They want you to though? prepare for as many as possible. No, yeah, because... That, like, what are you preparing for with Florida's quarterbacks? Kyle Trask, man. God. Shout out Kyle tall, Trask. Tall Trask, huh? Shout out Kyle Trask's dad. I know he's listening. Um, all right, how many references are we getting? How many references are we going to get to the Spurrier Bowl? I set the over under at seven. I'm going to say under because I didn't even think that was a thing. Really? Uh, yeah. No, they're definitely going to show him. You know, waving to the crowd, and so he's going to be sitting sitting in some luxury box, and he'll have his sunglasses on. He'll wave, Hammer. and they'll. Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll do it's like the split screen. time. I hate that that whole thing with Les Miles that ended up being an ad. Just one big yeah, ad. That was, that was tough. Bummer. They just clickbaited us on TV for they two did. weeks. Total clickbait. Let's move on to Kentucky and Tennessee. Speaking of still a lot to play for references, Kentucky, going to get a ton of those. When you lose a division title game, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. I set the same exact over-under at 4.5. What do you got? Probably over. I mean, but do they? I agree. So actually, I will say this. This morning, um, 6-8 of the fan here in Atlanta, they had Gary Stoken, who's the CEO and president of the Chick-fil-A friend, Bowl. Friend of the podcast, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I had never spoken to him as well. This must have been another private conversation. Unbelievable. I'm anyway, um, so he brought up the fact that if the season ended today, that the Peach Bowl would be, hold on, where did I put it? The Peach, Peach Bowl, Bowl would West Virginia and Kentucky, right? No, West, West Virginia and LSU, but the oh, Fiesta Bowl, so still like a, a New Year's Six Bowl, Kentucky and UCF. Woo! That would be great on so many levels. That. No, that I would, would be... I would love to see Benny Snell beat them, but I, that, that game would worry me. But yeah, regardless, I mean, they do have a lot to play for. I, I mean, a New Year's Six Bowl still? New Year's Six Bowl, some, you know, some good money. Some good money, some good exposure. Yeah, you, you they got to play Tennessee. Who else? Van, not Vandy. Tennessee, Louisville, that's a win. They're beating Louisville. Yeah, they're beating Louisville. The schedule is Tennessee and Knoxville. Then they get Middle Tennessee, as we said, don't sleep on the, the Blue Raiders. And then they end the season with Louisville, the fighting Rick Patinos. So, yeah, you would expect them to be able to run the table and win 10 yeah. games, go to a New Year's Six Bowl. The schedule is setting up well. Yeah, this would be a tough, tough game for, for Kentucky to lose. Okay, how many, keep in mind that last week he was banged up. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get the full Snell yet experience. How many carries is Benny Snell going to have in this game? I set the over-under at 20. I would hope over. Because, I mean, you get... Well, that That's, being said, though, Terry Wilson has balled out for him the past him two weeks. Lot. You're giving Terry Wilson a lot of credit. for Connor, he's completed 36.5% of his total completions for the whole season. Came in the past two weeks. How many times did they score over 20 points in those, those I mean, games? I'm just saying, he has played well. They were playing Georgia, and you know Mizzou's tough to go on the road in Mizzou and Como. No, it's 
I'm going to say Benny Snell gets the under in this game. I think that they're going to really maybe try and preserve him. Yeah, I think he's banged up. I just don't think he's looked right the last month. Call me crazy. I think the workload yeah. is just starting to catch up to him. There's a lot of miles on those tires. You can't be just living off of Waffle House and trying to refuel your body. Well, and maybe. I can, but he can't. I think he could. I think he could. Okay, how many times are we going to see a graphic of how bad the Tennessee ground game has been? I set the over-under at 1.5. Two seems maybe like overkill, but you have to acknowledge it because the Tennessee running game is the worst in the SEC, and it's just been atrocious this year. Atrocious. So I'm going to say it's over at exactly two. It'll be at the start of the game, mm -hmm. and then it'll be in the fourth quarter after Benny Snell has rushed for like 130 yards, yep. and all of this happened again. That He outgained... Like, I mean, they had 20 yards rushing last week against Charlotte, as we talked about. They have just been so bad. They've been so bad. Real football. bad. Real bad. bad. Real bad. Um, and, you know, and my boy Jared Garantano doesn't play as well at home. This is true. The home road stats with him are bonkers. They're really, yep. really weird. They make no sense whatsoever. That If he, if he has another home dud, I, I suppose because it's Kentucky, maybe you won't think a whole lot of it, but... That's, there's something to be said there if it lasts an entire season, if it's that weird where he really just does not function in the same way. He's been like bad at home. It's been Take good. out the Bama game. I mean, so he's only he's only thrown, he leads the, uh, he's thrown the fewest amount of interceptions in the SEC this year. Only two. You realize? So, I mean, that's impressive. Two has thrown one. I'm saying, oh, as a team, that's what I meant to say. Oh, yeah, because you add in Jalen and, yeah. Okay. Whatever. He doesn't throw interceptions. That's good. I'm not a Jared Garantano hater. But, yeah. I. Okay. We'll get to that. Um, okay. How about a... Well, let's, let's move on here. Let's move on to the Ole Miss A&M game. Finger guns. We're going to get so many references to this being a shootout because Ole Miss is playing in the state of Texas, which, as we found out from the season opener against Texas Tech, you cannot say the word shootout when it comes... To Enough when it comes to Ole Miss playing Texas. So I set the over-under at 3.5. So I'm going to say over, because I think this game actually is going to be closer than a lot of people, not than the experts think. Don't do it. Isn't this spread 12? 12. That's a lot. Yeah, we were way off on our spreads this week. We'll get to that in a minute. Hey. But um, I'm going to say over, and then I'm going to I'm gonna throw another one in there, piggyback off this. Uh, over-under, let's say just 0.5, just over a half. How many times they say Wild Wild West? Mm. They'll say Wild Wild West if Ole Miss wins because I think a few weeks ago there's no way we would have seen a scenario. And it, well, I mean, even the odds makers don't see that scenario where Ole Miss is going to win this game. Um, so yeah, that that would that would warrant it. But if A and M's winning throughout, then then no. And I think it's going to be like fourteen to ten in the first quarter, and they're going to make a comment about Wild Wild West as they go to commercial. Because the West Division and they're in Texas and blah, blah and I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the TV. I'm gonna I'm gonna say no. I'll, I'll take the uh, I'll take the under. I think that you are smarter than they are. Thank you. That means a lot. You're welcome. All right, let's move on to uh, how about the graphics of AM's November struggles. I hate the fact that many people are still holding on to the fact that because AM struggled in November under Kevin Sumlin, that that somehow applies to Jimbo Fisher. In my opinion, it doesn't. But we will still probably see some sort of graphic highlighting how bad AM has been in November. I set the over-under at 0.5. Oh, it's going to be way over that. Way over. Several. Several graphics. Yeah, without, I, mean, I mean, that's like that's been the main main like talking point about them like from a season standpoint. Like That's what got someone fired. They haven't had a, a, a 
November in the last, what, I guess since 2012, or they were over 500 in the month. So they've never been over 500 in November since joining the SEC. Right. No, or I mean, wait, 12, no, the 2012, year, yeah. the first year with yeah, Manziel. With right, Manziel. Right. Okay. But I mean, you know, that being said, like I, I agree with you because it, it doesn't really matter now because they have a new coach and it's totally different and all that kind of stuff, different team. However, I think the one interesting tidbit about that, because they've been really bad, not as bad as Kentucky in November, but still really bad. Um, Jimbo is 27-5 and all-time as a head coach in November. And that's why nobody should be bringing up this A&M stuff about, the, about stuff under someone. Anyways, let's one last over-under for this game. Jordan Ta'amu, JT, our boy, total yards. I say total yards because he has turned into quite the rushing threat. I set yeah. the over-under at 400. That's, I would say under, I would think. Okay, I, but so I don't, I mean, that... Oh, in, the last, I, in the last four games, he is averaging 444 yards from scrimmage. Who is he playing? I'm just I'm saying. saying in a sarcastic way. I mean, the competition has still, you know, it, it hasn't been terrible. I mean, he's still at South Carolina in there, Auburn. Yeah. And they also yeah, lost, uh, what's Monroe. his name, from, at receiver. So, yeah, I would agree with that. And, and Scotty Phillips was hurt last week. So that's, yeah, you're right. That's impressive. And, I mean, A&M's given up. Their pass defense is terrible. They're going to have like 243 yards a game. So, I mean, yeah, that could happen. Okay, I just let's... wonder how it's going to look without a running game. Yeah, they could still have a running game. They, the way that they spread the field, I don't want to say that that's a system that, that running backs are built to thrive there necessarily, but like, I don't know. I mean, Phillips is averaging like seven yards a carry. Wilkins was really good last year for him too. I just, yeah, I, 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 I think that... McAllister. I mean, we can go way back. Yeah, just... there you go. Let's, let's end with our last game in the SEC, a barn burner we expect. Eh, maybe not really, but Vandy in Mizzou. Two quick over-unders for this one. How many references to Mizzou winning out are we going to get? Because look at the schedule. It sets up well. It sets so up real well, just like last year. So they obviously have the win, under, win over Florida under their belts. And then Vandy, Tennessee, that game's in Knoxville. And then you end the season with Arkansas. So it's a really, really favorable end of the season slate for Mizzou. I set the over-under at 1.5 win-out references. What do you take? Yeah, over in like the first quarter. <laughs> I mean, like, with, I mean, without a doubt. Because what else do you talk about during this game? This feels like punishment. There, I mean, I, if there weren't two other games on at noon, this would be like a, a fixer-upper marathon for me. It's a Big Ten Saturday for, for the SEC. Is, oh heaven, God. heaven. An 11 a.m. kickoff units. between Vanderbilt and Missouri. This is food poisoning. I would argue that one player, at least on each side of the ball, um, offensively for both teams. They both have a you know stud. Drew Locke when he gets going, fun to watch. Keyshawn Vaughn when he gets going, fun to watch. Did you know that Keyshawn Vaughn's nickname is Red Mamba? <laughs> This is the first I've, I've ever heard of it. Yeah, when so I read it on the on the sheet. Yeah, his nickname is Red Mamba. How many times are we going to get that reference during this game of uh, pretty, I'd say, minimal implications? I set the over under at two point five. I'm going to say under because I feel like they're going to say it once, and no one's going to know what they're talking about. They've said it on broadcast before. That shows us how much we've watched Vandy games yeah. this year closely. Red Mamba. I don't know how we got that. Make no sense, man. I need to find out. Their colors aren't red. I think maybe his high school colors are red. I don't know. That's still, I mean, that's Big Kobe guy, obviously. I guess, yeah. I don't know. I but don't like it, so I hope it's none, to be honest. I, I like the nickname a lot. I think that adds... You like Red Mamba? Flavor. 
I think it's a pretty cool nickname for a random football player that you would never associate that <laughs> Just with. He gave himself. Um, so my name's Chris. They call me the Terminator. What? No one calls you that, Chris. Chris, why don't you tell us about your favorite beverage this upcoming weekend? Well, I tell you what, Connor. It is my favorite weekend of fall. It's the second weekend of November. It is the Deep South's oldest rivalry in Athens. There's so much good football on. The leaves are changing. It's a little crisp autumn air outside. Uh, yeah, and you know what I love to have in my right hand when this is happening? TV remote. You know what's in my left hand? Ice cold Bud Light. One or two. I mean, not two in one hand. That's, that's absurd. Well, I don't have those kind of skills anymore. It's like waterboarding yourself. It's really bad if you, if you miss. But otherwise, Bud Light, yeah, that'll be in my hand for most of the weekend. Just like attached, I don't say at the hip, but definitely to my palm. Uh, as you guys know, this episode of the STS Podcast is brought to you by Bud Light. Fewer things go better together than college football and an ice-cold Bud Light. Bud Light is Game Day's favorite light lager. Uh, we've been working with the folks at Bud Light now for a few years. They do amazing stuff with college football fans. Um, you know, they, do, they really do amazing stuff. Make you feel better after a loss. Make, make you feel, feel better like, after a win. Yeah, exactly. Just make you feel better all the time. Um, that being said, we will be in Athens this week for a little joint tailgating tour of our own. Can't wait. And we'll be in Tuscaloosa a few weeks from now as well. So come see us. Uh, but make sure if you do, there better be a Bud Light in your hand. Better be a Bud Light. Um, Saturdays are better down south with Bud Light. You guys know that. So Bud Light celebrates college football and reminds all the fans to enjoy the game. And drink and tweet responsibly. It's going to be pretty impressive for you to have a remote in your hand while you're in Athens. Oh, I always bring my remote. You keep okay. those khakis packed. That's Smart. the one thing you took away from that? That's, that was the one takeaway? It was just the remote thing? I, I don't mean, think this is... Because <laughs> the beer goes anywhere. We know that. But just the yeah. remote, you know, not quite as versatile. Just saying. I mean, also, the beer would be in my right hand. I'm not yeah. a good left-handed drinker. I'm good. I, I, yeah, I feel like left... Yeah, that's my go-to. Okay. Now i got to carry a remote <sighs> all weekend. Damn it. Uncle Chris, week 11 games... Make us some money. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I was feeling like really, really, uh, I was feeling myself earlier today. It was a good day for me. Um, had a hell of a weekend last weekend. Went 16-4. and four, Won the Buffalo pick last night. Uh, you know, a little Maction, a little Tuesday night Maction. Love you it. Know I love. Uh, they definitely covered that as well. So on the season, Uncle Chris is 101-53. and 53. That's good that, money. That number is too high. That, I realized that last week. I should not have ever made that many bets. Water's going to find its level. Okay, I don't like when you say that because right now I'm on a roll. Um, 16 and 4, like I said last weekend, so 17 and 4 over the past two weeks. Let's get to the week 11 games. Uh, hopefully the fire alarm does not go off. I'll tell you who's not been on fire, Connor. That's your Tennessee Vols. They are my, playing Kentucky. My Tennessee Vols? That, you know you're a huge, huge Tennessee fan. Um, Tennessee hosts Kentucky. This line opened at four and a half. Let me get out my notes from Sunday see where we are. Man, that's, that is not that much. It's moved up to six. The over-under is 42.5, which, again, is the lowest under out of any game in the entire country this weekend. Yep. Uh, we predicted, let's see here, I said 9.5, you said 5.5. So you were right on. There we go. six. Um, what do you think? Give me Kentucky and the under in this one. I think Kentucky gets back to its ways of covering the spread, uh, making Vegas look stupid for doubting them. Um, I think that this is a very one-dimensional offense. This Kentucky defense should be able to tee off against the Vols. Yeah, and the over-under of 42 and a half, I, I mean, is the winner going to get 20 points in this game? I see. That's, that's the biggest question for me. I mean, so what I don't like about this, I think the reason like, the line was so close, first off, you're playing in Knoxville, which is, a, I guess, a tough environment. Um, and there's like the history there because Tennessee's won this game 
you know, most of the years. I think they've only lost uh, to Kentucky twice in the past 33 years. However, the issue I have with this um, is the fact that, I mean, one, Tennessee has been so bad at rushing the football. But Kentucky, since Mark Stoops, has been at Kentucky since 2013. Do you know how many wins they've had in November? Oh, that's a good question. Thank you. <sighs> Can't be that many. Total wins in five-plus seasons. Can't, oh, now you're making me nervous. Like, four? Five. Oh, is the man. least out of any team or any coach in Oof. the SEC. Um, so I'm assuming that's what the, they're factored into, like, this this line. Regardless, I don't think it's the same kind of Kentucky team. I, I don't think they were going to roll over. This is kind of a rivalry game. So they have enough talent to beat Tennessee by more than six points. This game has 17 to 7 written all over it. That's, yeah, I think I said 27 17. It's, I mean, I don't think Tennessee can score that many points, though. Kentucky's also number one in the country in uh, second half points allowed, giving up only five points in the second half of games this season. Moving on. Let's get to, ooh, let's just get this one out of the way. Vanderbilt heads to Mizzou. 17, 17 point underdog. I, you know, we predicted here, hold on. I said seven and a half, you said 12. Yeah, I mean, Mizzou, Mizzou looks like a different team with Emmanuel Hall. Yeah. With Emmanuel Hall, they're apparently a national champion. I know that I used that joke 17. on Sunday. I, they're daring you to take Vandy. They are just absolutely yeah. daring you. I'm gonna say I'm gonna take I'm gonna say Mizzou covers. I, I know I would not have said that a week ago at this time. The right. thought of that is crazy, and obviously the line wouldn't be that big if they had not won by 21 points at Florida. But yeah, if Emmanuel Hall looks like that, and if this is what this offense is capable of. They should be able to dominate Vandy and kind of lost in the shuffle of the, the fact that, that Mizzou has really started off slow in, the, in SEC play just as they did last year was this defense is still improved. And this defense is yeah. not the doormat that it was last year. And while I like Red Mamba, Keyshawn Vaughn, I do think that they're able to, to kind of you know keep them at bay offensively. And this ends up being one of those. This could easily end up being one of those like 35 to 14 games. Right. I, I agree. Usually when like the line stinks, there's something up. Um, I was shocked that it was this high. This is the highest point spread uh, favoring Missouri in the last, I believe, six years. So, or it was five years. It was, um, it was against Vanderbilt as well. So, I mean, Vandy, what do you, I mean, what do you, what do they have? Kyle Shermer in the past two seasons against Mizzou has thrown five interceptions in those two games against Missouri. I don't know if that trend continues, but they're at home. Vanderbilt's terrible on the road. They're pretty good at covering the spread on the road, but I'm going to take Missouri. You know what this means? Because Vandy is a 17-point dog, Vegas has, finally, Vegas has finally forgotten about the Notre Dame game. Good right. for Thank you, God. Vegas. Good for you. I wish you. we would have known that before we made our prediction on Sunday. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I'm going to take, uh, I'm gonna take what do you call it, Mizzou as well. Next game, let's just go to that noon game. Ole Miss, the Wild Wild West. Little finger gun shootout, huh? <laughs> Little Jimbo versus Matt Luke. Two just electric personalities. Um, Ole Miss at A&M. A&M is a 12-point favorite. That's too much. That just feels yeah, right? like too much. I, Ole Miss can, can light it up, as, as we know. And this A&M defense, basically since I started talking up Mike Elko and how he was going to be worthy of a Power 5 job at season's end, that hasn't gone that well. More like I'm, Mike L. No, dude. Boom. Roasted. That's bold of you. Uh, I'm going to take A&M to win this game but not cover. I think Ole Miss on the road is is still able to move the ball. Jordan, Jordan Tamu has just been very, very productive. Can you believe that he didn't have a passing touchdown last week despite the fact that they scored 44 points? He didn't have a passing touchdown? Yeah, isn't that weird? I just know they had 600 yards of offense and 32 first downs through three quarters and then gained 16 in the whole fourth quarter. So I don't like Ole Miss to win outright by any means. Um, 
they have not, anytime they face a decent defense, they have not looked good. Uh, it's also only their third true road game of the year. But yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I really, I, I don't, now that I say that out loud, maybe I should go the other way. Travion Williams. That's a really big, they're, Williams they're banking on Travion like Williams. Yards. Yeah, this is going to be a huge Travion Williams game. Travion right. Williams game. I, I think that that's kind of why that spread is what it is because if he mm-hmm. gets going, I mean, his numbers when they are winning, uh, they're they're a yeah. much different team when he gets rolling. So maybe that's got something to do with and it. But that still feels like a lot. Man, like they've they've allowed the the most passing touchdowns, like the most I guess and second most in the conference. Um, it's like thirty seven total pass touchdowns between them this year. So I'm going to take Ole Miss to cover. Uh, I mean, that's a 11 o'clock start coming off the loss. They have not, I mean, AM hasn't scored over 30 points since week four, so that's what I'm going to say. Uh, next game, let's do oh, this one I have no feel on. South Carolina heads to Florida. Oof. Hurricane Muschamp coming in hot. Does he get paid it, this game? Or are they, they finally caught up? You know, that's a good question. I should have I should have done more research into that because I would love to. I looked to it know. up, but I, I, think it's, I think it's. I hope he is. Uh, me too. And if he, if he's not like, if like, I'm kind of like an a hole, I think we would both agree. I would definitely be requesting money from them on Venmo, all the mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. All, like all the time. Florida, it's tough to really, it's tough to say that they're a touchdown better than South Carolina right now, just because of what we've seen the last two weeks. I I don't know what's going to happen with this quarterback situation. I don't know if he's going to turn to my guy Kyle Trask and if he's going to put his fate into somebody who is obviously going to be the next Heisman Trophy winner. I don't know if Dan Mullen has the stomach to do that to bail on Felipe Franks. And because of that, I can't take Florida to cover in this game. And I think that South Carolina kind of, you know, maybe gets one of those where Will Moschamp just has this pregame speech that's epic. He breaks a couple whiteboards, something like that. They're fired up for this game. And they go into the swamp and, and make and make that place a little bit more uneasy than, than what we saw in the beginning of the season. So, yeah, I mean, as weird as it is, I think... I think the Gamecocks cover, and maybe this is decided by only like two, three points. So we we set the line. We predicted three and a half. Both of us did on Sunday. It was six and a half. I this game confuses me so much because after how bad Florida looked last week, I would have taken Florida to cover up until yesterday. Uh-oh. And when I saw that press conference with Dan Mullen, yep. And as much as we joke around about it, there's something. There's like dissension in the locker room, guaranteed, just guaranteed. And Florida is last in the conference and 119th nationally in points scored in the first quarter. And you cannot afford to get off to a slow start, I feel like, after what happened last week. Because I feel like they might just roll over and die. We definitely should have texted Luke about that because he, he knows some things about some things. So. Him and Felipe got into it a little bit this week on Twitter. It was a lot of fun to watch. Did they really? Oh, I didn't see that. I mean, he made a comment about how like, like you might lose the fan base if you start Felipe Franks. And then Felipe Franks gave like the thumbs up emoji. Oof. Which don't make no sense, man, because he didn't mean it. I mean, give the thumbs down emoji. No, I just, I mean, Florida, like, six and a half point favorite. Like, we, we put them in the top ten. We, they didn't even move that far back after like the loss of Georgia. Then this is why they can't have nice things. This is why you can't have nice things. We give you a beach and sunshine, and what do you what do you do with it? Bath salts, gators. If Florida loses this game, I know that people are like, "Hey, you guys have too many Florida guests on." I, I get all that, but if Florida loses this game, we might just need to have Luke on to go on like a ten minute rant about all the things that's frustrating him with Florida and this three game losing streak that right. it would be. Um, having or said just that, I, at I still think they win. 
So I, I have South Carolina winning outright. It's my upset pick of the week. Ooh, all right. There you all go. Right. Uh, next game, LSU heads to Arkansas. They are a 13.5-point favorite against the Mighty Hogs. Do you think they want to play? Do you think like, they would like another bye week? No, I think they want to play. I think you mm. bad taste out of their mouths. Oh, come on, come on. Let's let's spin that narrative for what it is. I think LSU covers in this game, and I think that we see a lot more of the ground game. It's still not a game where Joe Burrow is going to throw for 300 yards or anything like that. But I think that they're able to run the ball pretty well against them. After just getting dominated from Alabama, 12 rushing yards in that game. I think it's a much different story. They're able right. to control the line of scrimmage. Uh, Raheem Boyd still has a pretty solid day. Um, maybe not the best game overall for the LSU defense, but right. I, I think this is a game that LSU wins, I don't know, something like they're 35 to, to 17 or 35 to 14, something like that. And they, they bounce back, get back on the horse. Daisy May, shout out. Oh God. Um, yeah. So another pick that's not going to be very different at all, because I think, I think LSU dominates this game. I think this line's way too low. Uh, I don't understand why it's only 13 and a half. I, I mean, what does Arkansas have that could beat LSU? I mean, story LSU could win 14 hurl. nothing. This is a story of a hurl, regardless. So Arkansas leads, has, or I guess, yeah, leads the SEC in, in turnovers, which is not a good stat. LSU leads the uh, SEC in turnovers forced. So I don't like that combination. One, don't like that. But the stat of the day, don't like that. Stat of the day, or stat of the week for this game, uh, LSU is 7-0. and Coming off a loss under Ed Orgeron. They ain't gonna lose. They ain't gonna lose two games in a row. There's no way this game is close, right? It's I wouldn't Arkansas. think so. I wouldn't think so. No. By the I way, like LSU, very big. The other day, on my Pandora, the story of a girl what? comes on and. Who are you listening to? I mean, I, I, got, I got a bunch of different Pandora stations, man. I, I what, go was all this, over the place. what was this one? This one was Zach Brown, man. Okay. Really? Yeah, and it came up. I, when you like a few '90s alternative songs, you know, things just things just come up. But I can't unhear it. Every time the chorus comes on, it's "Story of a Hurl." It's not yeah. "Story of a Girl." That song is officially replaced now. You're oh. welcome, Ty Story. When you need like a, a walk-up song or something like that, when you go on WWE, give us a shout. We'll do I'll the remix. We'll do the editing. Yeah, you'll I'll be sing. I'll be fine. What's your What's your favorite Pandora station, real quick? What's your go-to? You're gonna hate this so much. Yep, I'm sure. I have I have two that I think are really really good. I think Chris Stapleton Pandora is awesome. That's fair. I think Sugar Ray Pandora is tremendous. Oh my god! It reminds I I have so many like childhood flashbacks of Sugar Ray Pandora. It's really Connor, good. Wh- of what songs? I mean, a lot of Sugar Ray. We got some Smash Mouth in there. Oh my god! <laughs> we've got we've. You know, you, you cannot that that part got some joke. third eye blind. You don't like, don't like third eye blind's great. You don't like Smash Mouth. You don't I mean, like Smash I was, Mouth. I was I was at an age. It. You don't like Smash Mouth. I can't. You were you were going. Here's here's the difference. You were in eighth grade or in high school when that was like okay. Th- we you were you were in high school now, so you know it's not good music. No, but for me it hit a different chord because I was still so young at the time. Where yeah. I was like, oh, this is catchy. This is great. You were at the point where you could actually come up with your own opinions. Whereas I heard something on the radio. And it'd be like, oh, I don't care if this is the Backstreet Boys or Britney Spears or whatever, LFO. Oh, I love the Backstreet Boys. I mean, yeah. I want it that way. Everybody? (laughs) Anyway, um, my go-to, I can't believe you said Smash Mouth. My go-to, Tracy Lawrence Pandora. It was Sugar Ray Pandora. Let the record show. Yeah, we we, we all heard it. Can't (laughs) unhear it. Um, Tracy Lawrence Pandora. All right. And LaBouche, early 90s dance. Boom. That's my go-to every Friday when I clean. 
Don't look at me like that. Moving on. Uh, next game, let's get to Auburn at Georgia. Georgia is a 14-point favorite at home. Over-under is 50. We predicted, I'm an idiot, because when I was like dancing back and forth, like trying to figure out which, uh, which line to choose, I said 11.5, then I said 13.5, and, and I went back. It opened to 13.5. You Dogs. said 12, so you were right on it. Dogs. I, I think this is a, a punch-in-the-mouth game. I, I know I said all those things about November Stidham and how Gus Malzahn is not coaching with any pressure or anything like that. That's all well and good. I think that they're just ready to go for this game. I think the running game dominates again. I think that we see DeAndre Swift in peak DeAndre Swift mode, and yeah. he has a few big long runs in this game, and you just get a little bit of a little bit of a feeling. And I'm not saying that this is going to be a realistic thing that we're going to think about for the next three weeks. But people are going to watch Georgia dominate Auburn, and they're going to say, do they have a chance? Do they have a chance against Bama? Oh I'm just saying people are going to say that from watching this game. That's what I feel a takeaway is going to be. Good old-fashioned smash-mouth football, Connor. Um, how about this? Here's a stat for you. This is the first game all year that Auburn has not been favored in. What? Yeah, kind of surprising. So DeAndre Swift, I'm glad you brought it up. He's averaging 9.3 yards per carry the past two weeks. He's obviously healthy. Like, I said it as soon as it happened against LSU. That loss could not have come at a better time to regroup, go into the off week. They have been a different team ever since that happened. Um, Auburn has so many inefficiencies on offense. It's so frustrating. I've gone over it several times. However, this is still a rivalry game. 14 points seems like a lot. It's also a revenge game for Auburn. And I think that giving Gus Malzahn that vote of confidence so he can, like, you know, let his hair down a little bit, get a little wild Gus, get a little loosey-goosey Gus, um, I think they cover the spread. I think Georgia still wins outright. I'm going to make a bold prediction here. I think that we have at least one DeAndre Baker blown-up screen pick six in this game. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, God, I, I can't. I don't want to talk about screen passes right now. It's just going to make me upset. Last game of the week, Alabama hosts Mississippi State uh, in Tuscaloosa, two schools that are only 74 miles apart. Uh, it's the smallest uh, distance between two SEC schools in the conference. Bama's that. a 25-point favorite. I said that I thought the spread would be 18, so I should probably take Mississippi State to cover. I'm going to take them to cover. Why not? Why not? Why can't they stay within three touchdowns with that good of a defense? I just I think Mississippi State's defense is really good. I think they're, they're very strong. Um, I just don't think that Nick Fitzgerald gets enough help. And, I mean, this is one of those times, too, where, like, Bama could come out a little bit sluggish after the LSU game, big emotional victory. I just don't think they lose focus going into this game. Um, I like Bama to win big. Cover the spread. Because I, I don't see Mississippi State scoring. I, I think it's going to be 41 to 13. I think 31 to 10. I think That's 31 fair. to 10. It ends up being not quite the uh, not quite the air, air show that we've – grown accustomed to seeing from Bama, and it takes yeah. a little bit to get going. Maybe Bama relies more on the running game, gets Damian Harris involved in this one. It's not going to be a fun game to watch, I don't think. I, I think it's going to be a, a very unenjoyable game to watch because I don't feel like Mississippi State's ever going to really be close, and it's also going to be two like, struggling offenses against those defenses. So. Like Bama, takes anyway. a, Bama takes a 14-0 lead in the first quarter, and then it's kind of just a, a slop fest from there on out where Bama just gets like that one touchdown. Maybe it's 21-3 to at half or something. And then the rest of the way is just kind of eh, maybe an right. occasional touchdown, but it doesn't feel close throughout. I, I agree. It can follow that flow. Um, let's move on to the next segment, one of our favorites here, fourth and wrong. we got five questions here today. 
Um, so these are the non-football-related questions that submitted on social media. So thank you if you submitted one of those. First one is Toto's Africa, this generation's equivalent to Don't Stop Believing. That's from Kyle Davis on Twitter. You know, funny story about this. My wife actually, like a couple weeks, a few weeks ago, maybe it was a couple months ago, I don't know, time just blends together during the football season. She was saying hey now. every single time, she's saying every single time I go in the car, I keep hearing Africa. And I'm like, I can't figure out why. And she's, it's blowing her mind. She's like, this song is 30 years old. Why am I hearing this so often? And then she tweeted this and then quickly got a bunch of responses from people saying, uh, Weezer has a remake that's on right. the radio right now. And then she's never felt older and less hip in her life. And I didn't know that either. So I was along for the ride as well. But that's the difference is that Toto is a remake that's getting more popular because that nobody's going to oh, remake no, Don't Stop no. Believing." No, it's not getting more popular, but I'm saying it's resurfacing because of that. Right, okay. Whereas Don't Stop Believing," you're not going to remake that. At least you shouldn't. They did on Glee. It was fantastic. Um, I think this is wrong. I don't think it's correct at all. I think it's definitely Mr. Mr. Brightside. There's like, a, there's like five, four or five staples of like... Gosh, I love that drunk song. drunk white people at the bar go into the jukebox. And it's these three songs. It is um, Wagon Wheel. That's a big one. Wagon Wheels is is in consideration for this. Yes, I would agree. And then probably Friends in Low Places or something stupid like that. Anyway. Did you... Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not breeze past that. Did you say Friends in Low Places is stupid? No, I'm just saying in that in that setting. Okay. Just don't... Like, next time you go to a bar, um, which I'm imagining is going to be with me in Tuscaloosa, I, you know what? We'll just we'll just do a contest of how many people play Wagon Wheel. That's fine. Don't... Um, yeah, we, we definitely did Friends in Low Places is the last song at our wedding, and it was oh epic. Oh, gosh. If it's, I tell you what, if, if we're out anywhere in public and somebody plays the Hootie version of Wagon Wheel, I will fight that person. I realize that. Death. Um, second question here uh, from Joseph Morrison on Twitter. What is your favorite Thanksgiving side dish? Hawaiian rolls, not close. What? Does that count as a side dish? I think so. You eat carbs? Maybe it's not a dish. I eat carbs on Thanksgiving. That's fair. Okay. Um, for me... It is, because, you know, as I said last week with Feinbaum, I don't know what a souffle is, but green bean casserole, that's my go-to. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Love me some green bean casserole. Um, Next question from Supershot on Instagram. What is the most nerdy sport or rank the most nerdy sports? Golf is number one. Oh, my God. Any sport where you can call in and report a rules violation is the nerdiest sport I have ever heard. Golf needs to get a whole lot cooler. It's all about math and angles, whatever. I like golf, don't get me wrong, but still. Golf and baseball is number two. Just because the saber the, the saber metric stuff, that has made baseball nerdier than what it once was. It's all about now you got managers playing the percentages, bringing in guys to face one batter in relief situations, guys who are hitting 300 on the year, but they get benched because it's a lefty, all that stuff. Baseball's pretty yeah. nerdy too. Golf and baseball, I'd say, are one, two in that. I mean, yeah, golf, I could see that. Um, I, I'm going to say equestrian. Because, again, horse girls are weird. No offense. Uh, let's see. Badminton? What, I mean, what is that? What I mean, like, you had tennis, then you, like, went to squash, and then it was like, you know what? What if we, like, make the net higher, and you have to be even less athletic for it? Sure. Okay. Underrated um, sport to play is racquetball. What's that? Underrated sport to play is racquetball. You ever play racquetball? Yeah. I mean, not recently. It's a lot of fun. There's a court available. You know, like back in college, back in the day, a lot of fun. 
I think we did different things for fun in college, Connor. Um, moving on to the next question here. Best pregame advice from Ryan Tudor, 156. Mine's very simple. I'm a big control your breathing guy. Yeah. Big control your breathing guy. Do the count to three, three deep breaths. It makes everything just kind of calm down a little bit. If I'm ever getting in my own head, I feel like my voice is going to crack. I'm getting a little nervous, even though it still cracks. I say count to three. Relax. I'm about to ask Joe Moore had a question. Count to three. Relax. So I would say that I was a big I was a big uh, visualization guy. So and and the biggest thing for me was getting in a routine. Um, because you know like I that I had to be comfortable, especially if I was like at the plate. But yeah, like a visualization thing, get a little confidence going, believe in yourself a little bit. You know, before you strike out in the last game of Super Regionals. On that 90-mile-hour fastball, it's really bad. We'll move on. You ready for the last question? Yeah, this this one's going to be all you. Best pickup lines. I am the last person on the face of the earth who is going to go. It it blows me away that people have enough confidence to go up to a girl at a bar and try and just, boom, turn on the charm like that. I am a... A long-term guy. I, I lay the foundation. I need to be in a situation where talking is a little bit more natural. I'm not going to come up to you and be like, "Hey, did you fall out of heaven, or did you did it hurt when you fell from heaven?" Oh, yeah, See, I can't even get it out. Couldn't even do it then. Yeah, like I can't even get a pickup line up to you. So the, what what does that say about my ability to get a pickup line to a girl? I so what I would say is like, I would just play off my awkwardness. I don't remember. I don't really think I I'm not smooth enough to have a pickup line. I'd be like, "Where are those pants?" See through, and then just stop. And don't say anything else. Just stare. Just, just kick things off with a very awkward, awkward like, like conversation. Make Kinda the like most. There's something to be said for that. Make the most awkward pickup line possible, yeah. and seem like a total idiot, and then just like that, snap into right. your normal mode, and it's like I don't even know who that guy was. Also goes back to that whole set the bar low. Yeah. Expectations ever high. Um, I think the only thing I ever did that worked, because uh, I wasn't really big on this either was I would like buy a drink for a girl, That's but it would pretty never be like a real drink. It would be like, hey, here's like a Pinot Grigio with grenadine in it, or like a Capri Sun and tequila. So that's that's the best advice I can give you. Make Just a mojito. Don't, don't use pickup lines. Yeah, pickup lines are, yeah. yeah. You, can do, you can do better than a pickup line. Exactly. Uh, take it away, Connor. Let's finish with it might mean too much. I did some very investigative reporting. Um, so the girl who went viral the other day during the Bama LSU game, uh, the LSU girl who deadpanned when the when the camera came on her for three, four seconds, whatever it was, we found her. We found her. I talked to her, did a story on her uh, earlier this week. Just going to throw this out there. It was definitely before The Athletic, but that's neither here nor there, and I'm not going to be petty about Oh, it's about here. Um, but anyways, shameless plug. Go read it if you get a chance. I found that she told me that just kind of the backstory, how that all happened, the fact that she didn't think she was on camera, which is kind of funny in itself. How? Because the camera sometimes will come on you, but it's only, you know, they don't always pick up that feed because they got a billion different cameras around the stadium and there's no guarantee that they're going to pick up right. that feed. So earlier in the game, she had actually been in a similar situation where she and her friends are going nuts or going crazy, but then it wasn't on TV. And people are like, you guys realize I wasn't on TV. The light wasn't on. And so she's like, all right, whatever. So then when it came back to her, and she gave the look. The really, really, you're gonna do this right now. She didn't think that it was gonna be on TV. 
Then she finds out from all of her friends who are getting texts around her that, but she couldn't check Twitter because the Wi-Fi in the stadium was down. She's getting all these people around who are texting her pictures of what just happened. And then she realized like five minutes later, she was going to go viral, all that stuff. So turns out she's born and raised an LSU fan and she was legit pissed off that they were down 22 nothing. She's a season ticket holder. Oh, wow. She was bit, not even really that big of a fan until this year, um, but she's a freshman. She's a college freshman. This is her first semester of college. Wasn't even her first time on TV. Turns out that she was on TV earlier in the year at the Louisiana Tech game, and she was, like, munching on a pretzel. And that they got, like, a two-second clip of her just, like, taking a big bite of a pretzel. How did we miss that? I don't know. So she said she was happy that at least that moment didn't go viral. So that was good. Um, she also lost her voice cheering at this game, which you wouldn't look at her and yeah, expect that. okay. Go or figure. Like, or she had a time to cheer at all. Yeah. She was a high school cheerleader, too. So don't think she ever made that phase as a high school cheerleader. Probably not. But, yeah, Kaylee Thomas, your favorite name, Kaylee. Oh, uh, yeah. The first thing I saw, it was like, how many E-I-G-H's are in this thing? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, fun fun little story to, to get to do. Definitely go uh, check that out if you get the chance. Uh, no five-star reviews to read this week. If you get a I chance, know. give us a five-star review. If you haven't done it yet, all the cool kids are doing it, or at least they're going to be doing it. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. We will definitely read that off uh, on our Sunday podcast. Make sure you're watching Facebook Live every Monday night at 8.30, every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock when Marley rolls out of bed. As you know, Uncle Chris is making people a lot of money this year. You know it. A lot of money. Follow us on Instagram, at Saturday Down South. Follow us on Twitter. Look at all those great great little stats that we throw out there. Every once in a while, the memes, you know, the the Dan Mullen reaction videos, all that stuff. Oh, man. At the SDS pod, uh, at C Marler SDS, at C Joe Guerra. Oh, I forgot to say this. John Chavis. John the Dan Chavis. Oh, yeah. I tweeted this from the SDS pod. Eats pork chop sandwiches before 7 a.m. That's the least surprising thing I have ever seen. Pork chop sandwiches for breakfast? Like, that sounds like something you would say, like, as, like, a threat. Like, I eat pork chop sandwiches like you for breakfast. John the Dan Chavis. Good luck to him against LSU. Um, Go to Starbucks and just get like a 20 ounce Fenty thing of gravy and just kick off my day. Thank you guys for listening. And remember the most important thing, Coach O. It don't mean too much. Talk to you Sunday.